Welcome to the Daily Path Podcast, where it's all about building an authentic life and business. I'm your host, Joe Winters Jr., and now for today's message. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Daily Path Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Winters Jr., and on today's podcast episode, I'm joined by Lori Black, who is the owner of Lori Black's Swim Lessons, where she teaches children and some adults how to swim. Lori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to have you as well. Um, So today I would like to talk about how you built your swimming business without sacrificing time from your family and some of your best practices for getting clients for the entrepreneurs that would like to learn from your journey. So I think a great place to start is with how you got into the swimming business in the first place. Um, how, How did like, you know, um, what interests you about getting into the swimming business? And then how did you get into the swimming business? Okay. Um, well, my mom took all of us to swim from the time we were young. I don't remember learning how to swim. I always enjoyed it. Um, when I was in college, I was a PE major. One of the things we had to do in that major was the different water, we had to be a water safety instructor, we had to be lifeguard certified, you know, just check off the list of different uh, sports that we were involved in. And when I got that, I didn't really have any plans to use it per se. I was working as a, a camp counselor, and we took our children from the camp to a swimming facility. And I spoke to the instructor there, the one that headed the department. And he said, you really ought to stop being a camp counselor, come over and work for me. And I thought, well, you know, I really do like the water. So I went, I I just started teaching for him. I taught in that program for three years. He retired. I took over that program. That was in, that was in Jenks, Oklahoma, near near Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I ran that program for three years loved doing it. I, it, it didn't feel like a job. I loved working with kids. I loved teaching them how to swim. So it was a, a great fit for me. Um, then we moved down here to Texas. I had a newborn and, um, I started hearing people talk about, you know, they were looking for swimming lessons and I mm-hmm. just kind of offered it to my friends. Oh, I can teach your kid how to swim. I can teach your child how to swim. Mm-hmm. And so the first summer when I had a, a six or seven month old, I just really taught some of my friends, kids that I, that I, uh, had just met down here. Mm. Um, the next year they had told some other people and it, I personally didn't really intend it to be, you know, a big business as big as it's gotten. But, um, I, I, again, the next summer I taught some more kids, probably maybe 15 or 20. Mm. And then that fall, uh, that, that, yeah, that, I guess that fall or that winter, I got pregnant again. So now I have two little ones and they had a lot of little friends and every summer it grew. And I'll tell you one thing, do you know, oh goodness, I think it's Chevy Chase in that one movie where he says, the phone books are here, the phone books are here, I'm somebody. Um, I was on the other side of the library case up at the library with my children. And I heard people talking about swim lessons on the other side of it. And mm. one of the ladies said to the other one, oh, I have this great instructor. Her name's Lori Black. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're talking about me over there. It was I never even went on the other side because I was a little <laughs> bit embarrassed. But, but it was so cool that like my name had gotten out there. 
Now understand this is before cell phones. Oh my goodness, I'm dating myself. Before <laughs> cell phones, before much was on the internet, before Facebook. I mean, I've been doing this 39 years. Mm. So it was a long thank you. I it's it is my passion. And just, you know, I don't mean to sound corny, but my life's work. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, helping all these families. But back then, you know, people from church, people from my community, people from the clubs I was in were asking about swimming lessons. And it was very hard to coordinate it at that time mm. because of the lack of, uh, of the computer and, and being able to coordinate things and organize things. So I was literally driving all over. I live in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And I was literally driving all over the Metroplex. I might drive to Euless, back to Keller, over to oh, wow. Flower Mound, back to South Lake. I had no organization of, I'm going to teach here now, and the next week I'll teach at another, another location. Mm -hmm. So that that was really a, a learning. Um, a, it was a combination of me learning to organize it and also uh, the evolution of being able to coordinate things on the computer and map things out and and just coordinate things, communicate uh, on, on a Facebook page or, or something. The other nice thing was my husband worked, worked afternoons. I worked, I, so I would get up in the morning and go teach and he'd have the children during the day. Mm -hmm. And then I would come home and he'd go to work and that might not work for everybody, but it worked for us. Um, our children worked in daycare. That was a big, important thing for me. And again, I was only teaching a little bit at a time, um, mm -hmm. uh, I say a little bit at a time. I was only teaching at that time four sessions, so four two week sessions, and uh, that was that was enough for my family at that time when they were little. Mm. Congratulations on what you built. You mentioned that um, at, at least I want to make sure I heard you correctly. You said your children was not in daycare, and that was important for you. They were not in daycare. They were either with my husband or with me, and we worked kind of opposite shifts. And mm. in fact, I never even thought. I, I never even, for the longest time, I never thought of it that I was working. I was, mm -hmm. you know, helping people out, teaching some lessons. And I, my son said one time, he volunteered me for something at school. And he said, well, I told him you could do it because you don't work. And some of my friends were like, well, weren't you offended by that? Because you work hard. And I said, actually, I love the idea that my son never saw the fact, never saw the, that I worked because I was always there for him right. and there for them. So that's huge. And, you know, and when we when we um, met over coffee, you were telling me how important your family is. And you were telling me why building your business alongside your family was like one of your top priorities. So um, you and your husband, y'all had a routine that worked for y'all. Right. But like yeah. what challenges came with you know, building your business alongside your family and how did you overcome them? Like, were there, you know, um, did you ever have fear of like, well, I might not be able to get certain clients because of this, because I'm like my family's first or like, you know, were there any challenges in your journey? Um, and if so, what were they and how'd you overcome them? Sure. I, I, I mean, I think there's always going to be challenges and I think you have to just know where your priorities are and knowing your heart that, that that's what you've set. And I, I did tell you that I was, I wanted to grow my business alongside my family and not in spite of my family. Mm. And I realized not everybody has that luxury. Um, we didn't, 
have to depend on my income. So I did have that luxury of not having to uh, make the sacrifice of uh, was I going to go to the soccer game or was I going to uh, teach another swim lesson? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in that, I had a lot of freedom in that. And, and I think that's important to, to realize because I realize there's some women out there who don't have that freedom or, you know, maybe they're the sole provider for their family. So they may not be able to do that. So I don't want to act like there's any judgment there, but, but, you know, there was, there was, uh, it wasn't always easy for my husband to have them during the day and me to have them, you know, in the rest of the afternoon and evening. Um, I love the fact that my kids never knew a, a time where, they didn't have two parents home when they got home from school. We were mm-hmm. both home because of the hours that we, we worked. But, um, but again, I realized not everybody can do that. And it did, it did, I would say the biggest sacrifice it was for us was time together as a couple that wasn't, um, as plentiful as some people would have. Mm, that makes sense. What, so for the people that don't have that luxury, cause I, I hear what you're saying. Like the, everyone doesn't, um, get their luxury, whether they're, they are the sole provider or the only provider, um, for, for their kids. And so, um, but like for someone that, even if that is the case and they want to get to that space, like what advice would you give them or what tips, um, or steps would you, would you give them to, to help them, um, get to a place where they do have the luxury of, of being able to build their business alongside their family? Um, I, I think one thing that I would tell people is there's two things that you have to balance. I feel like in, in order to grow any business, and that is what, what are you passionate about? What are your interests? Maybe not passion, but definitely your interests. And then what is, um, what is the need in your community? Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go seeking a lot of clients be, you know, as, as my business grew, I didn't have to go seeking them because there's always the need for children's swimming lessons and adult mm-hmm. lessons as well, but there's always that need there. So, so if you can find a need in your community that you also love to do, mm. I think, I think that makes it very, um, it just makes a very cohesive business plan without as much work. Um, mm. For instance, if, if, if you, if you thought, well, I'm going to go out here and, and, uh, for me, for me, if I was going to go out and provide skydiving lessons, well, that's going to be really hard for me because I don't have a plane. I don't, I don't know that many people that need that. I'm not saying that's not good for somebody. Some people that's their passion and that's their niche. And they know a lot of people that, that would do that. But so find out what you're good at, what your interests are and, and what your community is, and then think what how big can this be? And me still, uh, still have time for my family. My business grew. Um, when, as my children were small, we got a backyard pool. So my business grew because I had more time to be at home. I could teach more lessons. Mm. Then as they got a little bit older and they were like high school and, and I have had one that was probably, that was like, late elementary because I have, I have three children. Um, at that point I, uh, took on another instructor and, um, 
and my daughter, my oldest daughter, Jessica, she, when she was 17, by the way, all my kids start teaching with me when they're 12. So that's another mm -hmm. way I spend time with them. And I, I could increase the hours I spent in the pool. I was spending time with them as well. Right. Is that mandatory? Um, Is that like mandatory? All 12 years old, you, you have to, you have to teach. <laughs> Is that mandatory? Yeah, I paid them. So they really right. kind of like that money. <laughs> right, right, right. But, um, it wasn't mandatory, but they all, they all loved it when they did it. My son, it really wasn't a big fun thing for him, but he would always get in and, and do it. The girls have loved it and they've taught with me. One of my girls is 30 and one of them is 22 and they've both taught. They still, they still teach with me in the summer. It's great money for them. And they've, they've realized that, but that's a skill that I've been able to pass on to them right. and a business that they could grow if they would choose to do if you know, if they were to choose to do that. But, um, and then as my, as my kids got even older, I took on more employees and, um, and then when my youngest daughter went off to college, I expanded my season. So I went from May to uh, October and that really made a big difference up until then. I said, you know, I'm going to teach 10, 10 weeks and then I'm going to spend the rest of the summer with them. Mm -hmm. um, so as my kids got older, my business grew and grew and grew in, in accordance with how, with where they were and kind of what their needs were. Um, the other reason I took on more client, more instructors, the business grew, but also I had, I started thinking, what is going to happen when I'm like too old to do this? I still plan on mm -hmm. teaching for another, you know, 10, 15 years if I can, but what's going to happen when I'm too old to do this? I need this to be, um, I need it to be repeatable. I need some, I need somebody else to be able to go out and do it. So I wrote my curriculum. I put it down. I trained people how to teach the way I teach and other clients started to see that. And they were like, Oh, is that why you're bringing those kids in? So they, so they can teach like you teach and we can keep going. And I said, you know, yes. I mean, it helped my business tremendously multiplied myself, but it also, um, Again, it's good for the community. And it's also good for those kids when they go off to college. I tell them, you work in my area, you you got to work for me. Right. You go off to college six hours away, take a, take a swim bag and and make yourself some money. So. Right. I, I love it. How hard, like, or not necessarily how hard, but like, was it challenging to like, you know, um, write your curriculum? Not from the standpoint of like, you didn't know it because you obviously knew it, but like, I don't know, sitting down and like allocating the time to write it, refining it, you know, um, actually making it to where it was like someone else could digest it and understand it to where they can go off and do it. Like, was that challenging? That's that's interesting. You ask that. And it really wasn't as hard as I would have thought that I, I, that is not my niche. I don't like to do that kind of a thing. But um but my girls really helped out a lot in that because they had been teaching for quite a while, but they were still young. And I, I and I, so I, I wrote it, I sat down and wrote it and I thought, okay, where do I start? And they'll say, they'll say to me, you don't always follow the curriculum. And I'm like, I know, because I can kind of, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I can see where kids are and what, where they need to get. And I know what I need to do to get them there. But the average person that I've trained to go out, I want them to be able to follow it exactly. And right. so I, I, I had to sit down and think, okay, what standard, what do I do step-by-step? Step? What does day one look like? What does day two look like? Mm -hmm. And we built it from there. And then I showed the girls. I'm like, okay, so what do you think of this? Could you follow this? 
Mm. How does have I left anything out? Does how does this layout? And mm. um, and so they really helped me kind of refine it. And right. then of course the instructors. If the instructors say to me, "What I I don't I don't know what you mean by prone glide with a kick. Uh, what do I do with that?" And I'm like, "Well, we trained on that." <laughs> but but anyway, you know. So so I want them to read through it and know. And then I also tell them when you go out, most instructors that are teaching something well, something that they haven't taught often, they're going to look, you look at your English teachers at the high school, look at your history teachers. They've got their, their lesson plan in front of them right. and they look at it. Right. So there's no, there, it shows the strength of an instructor to check on the lesson plan and not get right. distracted. It doesn't show that you are new and don't know what you're doing. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Holding, holding integrity to, to make sure you're doing your due diligence. Um, and holding yourself right. accountable. I definitely can see that. So you also mentioned your um, season that you um, teach and train for. You said 10 weeks, and then you said you expanded the how long you were teaching. So if I'm understanding you correctly, like it's not you're not doing it year round. Or you Correct. are you're 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 not doing well, it year round. I have one client that has an indoor pool and she is um, mentally and physically disabled. And I work with her three days a week, year round, no matter okay. what. Uh, and I've done that for um, 26 years. I think uh, she was 16 when I started and she's 43 now. And mm. um, it's, it's fabulous. Uh, it's a great experience for her in the water. And because she's not as mobile as she would like to be, but she can do things in the water that she can't do on land. So mm. it's not technically swimming, but it's, we do swim. We do a right. lot of other stuff too. So, so my majority of my business is April or May through September, October, depending on, you know, when, when it gets cold and when I need to turn off my heater and be done for the year. But mm. the rest of that time from November, from October, November, all the way through to January, um, I'm planning for the next year. I'm doing some things. I do have a lot of time off, which is nice. Um, but uh, then in January, I start registration. So January mm. through April, I'm I am doing a lot of registration. Mm. Wow. Okay. So so walk us walk us through that. So okay. So you you have your season or you have your registration period, which is January through April. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. Then you're training from April to October uh, about. Mm -hmm. Correct. And then yes. and then for the remainder of the year, um, you're taking time off and planning. You're like like planning for the, the upcoming year. Right. Right. OK. So so, I say it, you know, but honestly, it hardly ever stops. <laughs> no, and, and, and that, that makes sense. But I, I kind of want to speak to like the planning phase. Like I'm a, I'm a really big planner. Um, you know, I. I feel like a, um, planning is underrated, um, mm -hmm. I, especially when we're talking about finishing one year and preparing for another year. Um, I think that planning is highly underrated. So like, tell us like, if you don't mind, like what does, like, what are the things you're like really thinking about for an upcoming year? Like, is it like, okay, how many hours I want to work? How many hours I don't want to work? What, like, what, what type of thought work are you doing when you're planning for the upcoming year? I think every year is different. This year in particular, I am planning, um, I, I'm working on um, what to charge for next year. Mm. I don't like to 
I don't like to charge an outrageous amount, but I do have to place value on my lessons. Right. And um, so I have to find that balance. I want everybody to be able to afford lessons, but I can work on that kind of um, on the, on the private end, I, I guess is the best way to say it. If somebody can't afford it, I can, I can work with that if I need to. And I need to, I, I, I need to uh, make the lessons as affordable as possible, but also get compensated for, for what I'm worth. Right. And uh, that's what I'm working on right now is um, what does that look like? As far as I know my prices have to increase mm. gas prices went up like crazy last year and I had not planned on that. And then I've got, I've got, uh, you know, 10, 12 different instructors that are out there driving and mm. I didn't feel like I had, um, I had compensated them as well as I should have mm. because of the, because of what I do. So I had, to, because of how I divide, I don't want to say too much, but because of the way I pay them, um, I didn't feel like that was enough. So I paid them extra, an extra amount on mm. top of what I had said I would pay them because to cover that gas, right. that gas amount. So I, I, that's one thing I work on is, is the scheduling, the, the fees that I charge, um, the equipment that I have to order so that all my instructors have the equipment that they need to go out and teach. Um, and, uh, and then just to make sure that I'm covered, um, like that I've laid a good foundation for, um, for insurance and, um, there, there's just some foundation things that I right. think every business needs to have to make sure right. that you have uh, correct policies. Right. And that's, that's another thing that I need to go through and, and go over my policies. One thing is, you know, I had, I always have some issues with people saying, well, um, I, I, I can't pay the deposit right now. Can I pay it later? Or right. we decided to go on vacation. I've paid my deposit. Can I get it back? And I'm like, a non-refundable deposit is a non-refundable deposit. That's what right. it is. Right, right. But there's always someone who wants that back. And the the more I've realized, the more I say it's a non-refundable deposit. I'm sorry. Um, right. Very factual. That does help. So policies are important and mm. I'm always changing them. Right. And I always tell people the rules. Um, if I If I have to have the rule, it's because somebody did mm. that. And um, some, some of them are kind of funny, you know, like right. um, you can't take a shower in, in my bathroom. You can go in and use it, but you can't take a shower. And people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, well, if I have a rule that says that, that means somebody tried to do that. Right. <laughs> like, mm, can't, can't keep up the bathroom for 20 minutes while your kid's in there taking a shower. Right. <laughs> I don't know. There's kind of funny rules like that, that people right. always look at me. So did, did you, and, and I hear what you're saying. I think what you're doing is, um, um, very important. Um, ha was there ever a time where you struggled with being the business owner? Meaning like, you know, there are some entrepreneurs, especially when starting out, that struggle with being the business owner. They struggle with saying, this is the policy. I'm sorry, you know, but this is the policy. Um, whether it is a non-refundable deposit, whether it is certain policies that they have in place, they struggle with um, honoring what they've set forth. Was there ever a time you struggled with those things? I think anytime you are starting out, 
you're trying to find your footing on that. I don't struggle with it nearly as much as, as I have in the past when I was younger. Um, I have a pretty strong personality, so um, I think that helps. And I, and I'm, I'm pretty uh, definitive on, on what I say and and how I say it. Um, But I do think that there are people out there that that's going to be really hard for them. I belong to a, a, a group of swim instructors across the nation and some of the younger instructors, that's one of their big complaints is, well, so-and-so, I told them they couldn't do a makeup lesson because they just decided to skip. But uh, now now they want to get a makeup lesson. She's really mad at me. So I told her, okay. Mm. Those of us who have been in the business for a while, we just say, oh, I'm sorry. We don't do makeup lessons. I mean, if we've already said that, then, right. then you have to stick with that. And I think we talked about a little bit about how... Um, you know, people say the customer's always right. The customer's not always right. right. And right. I try to honor the customer and what their feelings are. But I've had some instruct, I've had some customers, some parents who they sign up to take, to have their child take swimming lessons. Mm. And then they get mad at me because the child gets their face wet and cries. Mm. And they'll say, well, you never said they had to get their face wet. Well, I don't know how to teach them how to swim without getting their face wet. So I don't know what your expectations were. But this is the only way I know how to learn how to, to teach how to swim. So right. if you're wanting me to teach them how to swim without getting their face, if you're wanting me to teach them how to swim, they are going to get their face wet. Right. If you don't want to get their face wet, then we need to part ways. And mm. I'll keep your deposit and you can go on with the rest of it. <laughs> but it, I think expectations are huge. And some right. people, some people, for whatever reason, they'll enter into an agreement with someone and not realize what the expectations are. Mm. Um, it seems odd to think that somebody would think you could teach someone how to swim without their face getting wet. Right. But I think that can be an example for a lot of different things. If you don't set those expectations, then you're you're uh, opening yourself up to a lot of issues. Um, mm. So I think that's the biggest thing: is set the expectations up front and then stick to your stick to your rules of whether the deposit's non-refundable, whether they can do a makeup lesson, all these things. Mm, Yeah. I, I, I like that. So speaking to your registration period, um, I don't have, um, or at least I don't think I have listeners that have like a swim business, but I know I have listeners that do like, you know, courses or coaching or, you know, things of that nature where there is a, you know, they might have open and close enrollment. And so while it's different businesses, kind of same uh, approach to signing clients and then working with their clients. And so knowing that you've been extremely successful with the way that you've been operating your business and, you know, opening your registration and signing clients so that way you can work with them. um, Like, what are some of your best practices when it comes to, um, you know, when you open registration? Like, is it so I know you have a lot of repeat customers. I do know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Do you tend to reach out to them first and then go to people that aren't your customers? Or like, how does your, what does your registration period look like? I think in a lot of situations, that would be a good idea to reach, to to give a little bit of heads up to the people who are, are past clients. Right. Um, I think I think some swim instructors do that ahead of time. I am so old school, Joe. Um, I I do it. I put it on Facebook that my swim lesson signups are going to be on a certain day. This coming year, it's going to be January 20th. So, um, oh gosh, people are going to laugh, but 
I set up a table in my garage and the line is from that, that my garage door all the way down my driveway out the, out the street. And that is my first sign up day. <laughs> they are out there camped out from like seven o'clock in the morning on. And I open the garage at 10 and we just, I sign up about 150 kids that way within mm. about three hours. Mm. Everybody, everybody tells me, well, my kids tell me all the time, mom, you got to get that online you gotta get yeah. online <laughs> I haven't done that. that's the first thing i thought <laughs> I was like wow I, I know it's crazy but you know what it's it's really wild that there's a lot of parents who tell me i love sign up day i look so mm -hmm. forward to sign up day and uh, so i don't i may change it this year but uh, chances are it's probably gonna be right there and then the rest of the time it's just text or phone call and um and I, I do not, even years ago, even 25 years ago, I did, by the time I would get emails out to them, I was almost already full mm. so, because I was surprised at how many people wanted to sign up in January for something that wasn't happening until May or June. Mm. That was hard for me to relate to. I, mm. I'm kind of a, you know, I, I would have done it in April to sign up for May. And, and some people call me and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm full. Now my registration continues to go until I don't have any more space. I don't right. end it in April. It's just, I start teaching in, in May. So, um, okay. but if people call and I've got room, I, and, and take them. yeah, I'll take them. And we, we mm. taught about 700 kids this past summer between private group lessons at my house, private lessons at your home. And um, we taught about 700 kids, so mm. it's working. But I know, I know it's old school. <laughs> yeah, but but it, I mean, it, it it sounds like it is. It not. It sounds like it is working. <laughs> so it's like that that approach seems great, you know. And you also have a business where it's it's not an online business. So I would not say that it's far out there to um, not do online registrations because clients are going to come to your house, right? And so to have that. Um, uh, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you have um, registration day, which is sign up day, which that's that's where everyone comes to the house, sign up. And then after that day, they text or call to sign up. Is that what I'm what I'm hearing? Right. So the people so the people who know about me know to come that day. It'll be on my Facebook page. They'll tell their friends all of that. That's where that big first push comes from. And then anytime after that they can call. So that's where the mom's groups come in and they'll be talking to each other about where are you taking swimming lessons? I want to do swimming lessons. Mm. They'll get my phone number. They'll call or text me. Mm. Um, I do hope to get some sort of something online this next, next season, because the more I teach, the, the bigger our business gets, the right. harder it is to take all those texts and phone calls. That does make um, sense. That yes. certainly makes sense. So I, I wanted I wanted to kind of break this down a little bit further too. So you mentioned um how you couldn't really relate to the fact that you would have so many people want to sign up in January for something that starts in May. Um, but it's like you're great at what you do. There's great demand for your services to the point where people don't want to miss out. And so so I would like to kind of speak about the service side of things, the delivery side of things. What are some of your um, beliefs or, you know, standards, expectations when it comes to 
um, your personal performance when working with a client, as well as your instructors when working with clients that makes it to where people want to sign up in January for something that starts in May? Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I heard a long time ago that you want to under promise and over deliver. And mm -hmm. I think those are words to live by. If I, I, I'm not going to tell a client, oh, I guarantee your kid's going to learn to swim in four days. I would never tell a client that because that puts too much pressure on the child and on me to mm -hmm. make sure that happens. And when you have that kind of pressure, um, you're going to do things that maybe are not the best practices, mm. but I, but most of my, most of my kids do learn to swim quickly, but I don't, I don't make that promise. I always tell parents, you know, that they will be a better swimmer at the end of eight days than they are, than they are now, mm. but I don't make the promise. So under promise over deliver, everyone is always happy with, and I always, everyone's always happy with, um, with the end result. I also tell parents to trust the process mm. because again, a mom might not want their child to get their face wet on day one. It might be scary watching your three-year-old cry, but at the end of eight days, if your three-year-old is confident and can mm. handle themselves in the water, it's worth a few tears on day one or day two. Mm. Um, so uh, trust mm. the process. I, I had a grandmother tell me uh, several years ago, she said on day one, when I, I have a little chalkboard that says, trust the process. And she said on day one, when I saw that, she said, I, she said, first of all, you scared me and I'm a grandma. And she <laughs> said, I, 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 and she said, because I don't give the children choices. They need I, I, the choices. Do you want to do it by yourself or do you want help? Not, do you want to do the skill? And mm. so grandma was a little bit concerned and, um, she didn't really want to come back to watch lessons because she didn't like it at all. Mm -hmm. And she came back at the end of the week. We still had four more days, but she came back on like day four or five. And she said, I see what you mean by trust the process. She said, mm -hmm. I cannot believe what my grandchildren are doing and they're having fun doing it. Mm -hmm. But if you judge on day one where they're crying or not everybody cries, but if you judge on day one, then, it, then that's, that's hard. Right. Um, so I would say, you know, trust the process, over promise, uh, under promise and over deliver. I always want my clients to feel like they got their money's worth, that it was mm. worth it. Right. And I have a lot of clients that say, you don't charge enough because mm. I can't believe what we got out of this. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I have clients that tell me that their children obey better after they've had swimming lessons because I expect them to obey. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, well, yeah, that's like a buy one, get one, you know, pay for swimming lessons and get some parenting skills <laughs> at the same time. So um, I, I think that that's helpful. And then with my instructors, I tell my instructors, we're, we're working with people's children. We have to, I hire the cream of the crop. There's a lot of teenagers out there that need, that want a summer job. And I don't hire just anybody. I hire the cream of the mm. crop. And, and I tell them, you know, I, because of that, I don't, I, I have certain expectations and People do tell me that my expectations are unreasonable, but, um, but it is my business. It's my personal right. business. So for me, I, I tell my, my, my instructors, I don't hire people who um, underage drinking, smoking, um, 
carousing around, hanging out with the wrong people. I just don't hire those kinds of kids. And so I expect when I see something on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever, I, I, I talk to him about it. I'm like, Hey, you know what? That's not the kind of person mm-hmm. I hire. And, but I tell him we'll still be friends. I'll still love you, but you can't work for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I've only had that happen a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one person was like, sorry, won't happen again. I'll take it down. Right. End of story. That was great. The other person was like, Oh, but I didn't, but I didn't, but I didn't. And mm-hmm. yeah, they did. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> You know, but but the kids I have that work for me are fantastic. They're they're fabulous people, and they love children. And uh, anyway, I I I'm very blessed to have that kind of people working for me. Mm, I, I I could see why you you know, and it, but it starts with you, you know, because for you to have the um uh, the standard of excellence that you have to serve your clients in an extraordinary way is I would imagine is how you um, have attracted those that work for you to work for you. Right. Like to be able to say, um, you know, we're working with people's kids. And so as a result, this is what I expect. You know, as you were saying that I could hear and not only hear, but, you know, know some people who might think like, that's she's, she is being unreasonable. And it's like, yeah, but, I have a daughter and I'd rather my daughter be trained by someone who has that high level um, standard of excellence as opposed to um, someone who doesn't. And, uh, you know, um, so I definitely think it's to each his own, but you're, you're great at what you do because you have the expectations that you have, not only for those that work, you know, uh, for you, but for yourself, right? Like, and so um, that's just, that's just really, um, really great to hear. I think as, another thing that I kind of want to point out here for like entrepreneurs that are listening is um, the things that you mentioned, number one, um, under promise and over deliver. And number two, trust the process. And I know you were speaking to, you know, what um, you were speaking to your clients, trusting the process. Um, But that's also like the byproduct of you trusting the process, right? Like you, you trust your process and you trust what you can produce with kids um, and so you simply ask your clients to trust that process as well. And I, you know, for the entrepreneur that's listening that, you know, you, you want to create such demand for your business where people are, you know, signing up months in advance for something. It's like, are you being the entrepreneur that trusts your process? Are you being the entrepreneur that like on day one of, you know, doing um, what you're doing, if something doesn't go the best way, are you trusting your process that by day eight or by day 16 or by week 12, things are going to go the way they're supposed to go. So um, I want to, you know, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I also Can know, I add one more thing to that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, I was going to say, if you have a business plan, exactly like what you just said, trust the process of that business plan. If it's a good business plan, it'll work. And I feel like oftentimes all summer long, I'm on a roller coaster of it's the first Monday and they're all crying and I'm going to have to give all these moms their money back because this group is not going to be able to learn how to swim. Mm. But I, that's my, that's what's in my head. But then, you know, it, we, we just do the same thing. We do the whole lesson plan and we get all the way through. And by the net, by the, the last day of class, 
they're all doing so great. I'm like, this is the best class I've ever had. Mm. And then I have a first Monday again. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and but over the years, I've had to realize that I'm going to always feel that way on the first Monday. They don't know how to mm. do anything. And then by the eight days is over, here we are. And, and it, yeah, so I, even I have to trust the process. You're right. Mm, hey, man. Um, one thing you also shared um, with me before we recorded is that you've also had clients of yours offered to provide scholarships for others to have access to your services. Would you mind sharing one of the times when working yeah. with a client led them to begin funding others? I had a little girl a long time ago. Um, she, her mom brought her to me. She had some disabilities with, uh, with um, a slight paralysis on her, on one side, um, arm and leg. And um, her mom said that that uh, she had taken her somewhere else and spent quite a bit of money at this other facility. And they finally said, uh, she just can't learn. Mm. That really hit me to my core because I would never tell someone that a child couldn't learn. There might be a time where I am not equipped to reach them or to teach them, but that's not the child's fault. That's all on me. Mm. So, um, so this mom... Uh, by the time, by, within two weeks, this little girl spending time with her, teaching her the correct techniques and everything, uh, this little girl swam the length of the pool with me beside her. Mm. At the end of the next two weeks, so here we are four weeks later, I was standing outside the pool with her mom and she jumped off the diving board. I mean, with permission, she mm. jumped off the diving board, swam the entire length of the pool without anybody beside her. Mm. And you wouldn't even have been able to tell that one side had a little bit of paralysis because it was so nice. It was such a mm. beautiful stroke. And her mom stood there in tears and she said, I could give you my entire annual salary and it would not be enough for what you gave me today. Mm. And so we both cried quite a bit and it was just beautiful to see this little girl swim. And, uh, and when her mom wrote me her check, it was several hundred dollars more than what it should have been. And I said, wait, I think we had a misunderstanding. And she said, no, she said, I know that you probably teach children who can't afford it and you can put this towards that and it can start your scholarship fund. Mm. Now I've only had two people do that um, since, but I think it's a very cool thing to, uh, to keep going because there always is that child and you'll always hear it in the mom's voice. Um, whether it's uh, calling and asking me how much lessons are. And then I, and then I tell them and they're like, oh, okay. And, and they all think about it. I'll call you back. Or I had one person years ago, signed up for lessons. Everything was a go. Dad lost his job. She called to cancel. I said, mm. no, we're not going to cancel just because dad lost his job. That's not fair to the children. Mm. There's no reason for that. So, um, mm. so anyway, there, there is a little bit of that available for, for somebody who is really in need. And I, you know, I, I suss that out. I don't want people taking advantage of that, but most people right. wouldn't, people right. would not take advantage of it. Um, but it's kind of, it, it's really fun to tell that, that person, Hey, guess what? You do get mm -hmm. to take lessons and it's, it's part of the scholarship fund. Mm, that is, that is really cool. You know, for, for someone listening right now, like an entrepreneur, who's like, I have the type of clientele where there are people who can't afford my services and they are, they've, consider trying to start a scholarship fund of, of some sort, like what, um, 
what do you feel like you did well um that have that like inclined um your clients to say to to start your scholarship fund that um an entrepreneur listening could use in 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 what they do i think just even i i haven't even done a great job with this of making making that possibility of donations uh make, making that um real public. I haven't done a very good job of that. I think I could have a larger scholarship fund if I had done that. Mm. Um, I think you have to see, for, for instance, one of my clients that I had years ago, uh, her girl, they had moved away and her girls were older. And tragically, her niece uh, drowned when she was mm. two years old. And she contacted me. She said, I don't, I, I don't know what to do with this. But I think if I, if I, if I fund one person in your swim lessons, I feel like I'll be making a difference and I'll fund it in my niece's name. Mm. And so she does that every year, be on the lookout for someone. And we, and we, I find somebody and, and then mm. she sends me the check and that's what we do. And that kind of helps keep her niece's memory alive mm. and also helps another child uh, hopefully prevent that tragedy in their family. Um, I would say to your clients to that, that they need to, um, uh, find somebody who has the kind of passion for their program or their business that they do, maybe not as much as they do, but you know, they, they have benefited from their business Mm. and then, and then implore them that, um, would you like to see somebody else take advantage of, of this opportunity who maybe can't afford it? Um, say, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it doesn't have to be a whole amount. Maybe, maybe their business is a $500 commitment and that person can get $50. Well, 10 people doing $50 gives you one scholarship. And Mm -hmm. I think people really enjoy being able to say they did that. Mm -hmm. So maybe I need to be better about, about extending that to my clientele as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Mm -hmm. So shifting gears a little bit to talk about personal development, what are the things you must do on a daily or weekly basis that help you show up as your best? Oh boy. Um, that's interesting. Well, I have to swim. <laughs> that's one thing I have to do. Um, I think making sure that I'm, uh, not distracted and that I'm focused, um, uh, praying for my clients, praying for their safety while we're out there praying for my instructors. Um, kind of checking myself to make sure, um, make sure I did use the right words with someone. You know, we talked earlier about how do you stay firm and, and stick with your rules, but you also have to be compassionate and, um, you know, not come across angry or mad. So you kind of have to check that every now and then and just make sure, I don't know if that answers your question or not. No, it it, it does answer, answer my question and to that last point you just made there that was something that I um had to learn because I'm it's like I was I was um on extreme opposite ends at different points of my entrepreneurial career like at one point when I first started it was like you know I didn't really stand firm or anything because I'm studying this terminology of like servant leadership I just wanted to serve and so if I'm being honest like I let people take advantage of me early on in my entrepreneurial career and then um, when I made the decision to say, okay, you know what, not doing that anymore. Um, I tend to ha- 
have a strong personality to where people are like kind of intimidated. And and so it's like, I have to actually learn like, okay, it's not really what I'm saying. It's how I'm it's how I say it to, to people, right. <laughs> you know? And so I just, I, I wanted to say that I will say, you know, um, whether that's like reading personal development books or leadership books or getting coaching um, or role playing with others. Those have been, those have been some things that have helped me when it comes to checking, like um, how I articulate myself and how I, you know, say things to other people and how I come off and so on and so forth. So thank you for pointing that out. Cause that is something that I think uh, an entrepreneur should definitely uh, uh, practice. So I have, I have to, Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just, I'm sorry. I was going to say what kind of piggybacking on what you said, tone, your tone. And then sometimes you have to pick up the phone and make that phone call or have that face to face because some people read tone into text messages that just simply is not there. Right. I agree. And so a lot of people, I find a lot of younger people, they really don't ever pick up the phone and have that conversation. But, um, it, it's important to pick up the, I've had some people that were very well, not happy with me over something, but once we get on the phone and we discuss it, they have a different understanding and, and then it, everything, everything's much better. But hmm. sometimes you need to have that face-to-face -face or the phone call rather than whatever tone they're reading on text. Completely agree. I've had that experience myself. Yeah. <laughs> if there was a principle we didn't cover today that you would like to share, what would it be? Um, let me think. I, I just feel like you have to be open and honest with people and be genuine with them. I think that's so important. There's no reason to, uh, you know, have pretenses and, and try to be something that you're not mm. because that's hard to do. It's hard right. to keep that up all the time. If you can right. be genuine right. and real with somebody, that energy of trying to pretend that you're somebody else can be used somewhere else. And, um, right. and I, I think it's important to just, just be who you are, but right. be professional. Right. Love it. Definitely agree. Be authentic, be professional, be who you are. I love that. Um, Lori, do you mind sharing where my listeners can connect with you or perhaps um, get ready to register for swim lessons? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If you can follow Lori Black's swim lessons on Facebook, that is the best way to see my information. The best way to register is again, look on Facebook and I'll put all of that out there at the beginning of January, Lori Black's swim lessons. And then the best way to reach me during the year is my cell phone number, which is on that page. Mm, um, awesome. The easiest way do you want me to give my cell phone number or you don't you don't I have don't to I, I i think i think going to the facebook page Lori black's swim lessons is great because that's where you're going to get all the information that's when you're going to get the date that's where you're going to get what you need to sign up and that's where you're going to get the phone number so go there absolutely <laughs> Lori, thank you for joining me today on daily path podcast absolutely thanks for having me joe you're welcome and to my listeners, I hope you take something you learned today and apply it to your daily path. Until next time, have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Daily Path Podcast. If you would like to launch your own podcast show to expand your reach, grow your network, and sign more premium clients for your business, visit dailypathacademy.com to learn how we can help you launch an impactful podcast that changes lives around the world and acquires high-ticket clients for your business. 
That's dailypathacademy.com.